Welcome to The Practice Podcast, a show created by lawyers to help lawyers in life and business without all the complicated lawyer language. Let's welcome Bast Amron founders and your hosts, Jeff Bast and Brett Amron. Hi, Brett. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm fantastic. Wow. What do you want to talk about today? Fantastic. I want to talk about why you're fantastic. I'm fantastic because yeah. I'm alive and breathing and healthy and I have a great partner and a great family and I live in a great city and life is good. And the lawyer of the year as well. Congratulations mm. on that. Thanks. I, I think you're the lawyer of like the millennia. And I think it was a mistake. Right. I think people, people always confuse <laughs> us and I think they were thinking yeah. that they were voting for you. Yeah, so. you're not going to get out of that one. Nice try. All right. So I think today a good topic for us to discuss is something that I think you've experienced, I certainly have experienced, and perhaps every lawyer out there has experienced at one point in their career. And that is when you have somebody on the other side who advances positions in a case that that really have no basis in fact, sometimes no basis in law either, but usually it's one or the other. And you have the documents and the evidence to suggest otherwise. And presuming that either they haven't taken the time to look at it or they have and they're just going to advance a position. Um, And at some point, that bill has to be paid, right? And it's just frustrating. For me, it's very frustrating to see that. You mean, you're you're just saying, right. At some point, you take positions and, you know, and they they always walk that line and they have that gray area where, you know, they don't really, they really can't get sanctioned or hammered with the way they kind of advance it, right? So just to be clear, you're saying they're, they're taking a position or they're telling a story or yeah. or portraying their client's position in a manner that is not supported by evidence. By reality. Right. That, but, but you don't always have evidence, right? You're saying, but sometimes you may not have the evidence at that time and you get it later or correct. But fi- whatever the evidence may be, right? And and we're <laughs> in the situation a lot of times where we have the evidence because it's in the debtors' books and records, right? right. As coming in representing a fiduciary and having access to debtors' books and records or even going to third parties and getting them before we file a lawsuit. Right. right? So, yeah, for the benefit of non-insolvency lawyers, right. yeah, we that is one of the unusual features that right. in litigation, typically you can't do discovery until after you file the lawsuit. In the bankruptcy world, we can. We get to do discovery. We have access to records. Right. So, so, so I we would know always... before we make an allegation, we, we know what the documents <laughs> yeah. show. And I always marvel when we get either in the context of a mediation statement or in the context of a letter response or even motions to dismiss or whatever it is, I always marvel at some positions that are taken that are completely contrary to the evidence. And their clients typically thinking, in other words, thinking that we have not looked at the documents, right? right? Number one. And number two, their clients are the ones with the institutional knowledge, right? Typically, if we're in an insolvency context, right? And we've talked about this on on the show. And that is that when we come in and we represent a fiduciary and we sue a former officer and director, right? They were there. They have the institutional knowledge of what they did or didn't do. In theory, they have the knowledge. What they did or didn't do, what the company did or didn't do, you know, and what happened, Right. And so when we make allegations, they presumably should know that, oh, there's probably... This is true. That's true. This emails. Is not true. There's, right. like, e- right. there's, 
you know, and I was just actually going back and forth with a lawyer here on a case and internally a lawyer working on a case. And, you know, they sent me an email which completely contradicted a statement made uh, in a document by the opposing party. So this is an internal company email from the time of the allegations. Right. Right. And now now the other side is saying something. Well, it's saying something completely opposite. Right. Right. And, you know, my response was there's always an email. Right. Right. Like, I think in the, you know, when, when Trump was president, it was like, there's always a tweet, you know, for this, there's always an email and email, you know, people seem to forget that emails stick around, you know, and they just, they type away and they send them off and, you know, that's it. So there's always an email, there's a document. We could do a whole podcast on emails, right? (laughs) Because I think some of the stuff we see in emails is just remarkable. But I mean, your point is that yeah, you, they left a trail. There's a record. There's a record of Correct. what happened in time, and we create. You know, we get access to that information right. as a fiduciary. Right. And so, when we make an allegation, we're not just making it. It's not a theory. Right. It's borne out by documents. I, and I, I suppose is am I am I correct in saying that? Typically, that position is by a non-insolvency attorney. I guess not exclusively. No. I guess we've in the in the instance we're talking about. No, it is an insolvency attorney, but yeah, it's not always non-insolvency right. lawyers. I mean, some it, again, lawyers aren't accustomed to us to to the other side already but, knowing. Well, but they they do in some in most instances they do know that we have them. Right? right. They do know that at some point they know that we have all of the debtors' books and records. They know at some point when we produce those documents to them that we have had them. Right. And I always sort of marvel at that, that has the client reviewed what the lawyer is about to send out to say, eh, that may not pan out. Right. <laughs> you know, that yeah. position may not pan out factually. So I guess for purposes of this discussion, I'll take the position of the other guy, right? The other attorney might not be a guy. We call that the the dark, other attorney, dark side. the dark right, side, right? Exactly. Well, in some cases, mm-hmm. I just don't know. Relying on what my client told me, I sure. talked to them about the sure. allegation. The client denies it, and so I'm advocating the position espoused by my client, and I just haven't looked at everything yet, right? And so, but wouldn't that you could take be that, an early stage position? Right, but wouldn't right? you take that position though? Wouldn't you say? No, because I'm a zealous advocate. I'm going to say, this is my, I talked to my client and this is what, you know, he denies it and that's not true. But but, okay, but right there, my my client denies it. Right. That to me is, listen, my client has talked to me, has conveyed to me. I haven't seen documents. I haven't seen anything. Right. You're wrong. This is how it went. Yeah, you're wrong. Right. The facts are not what you say they are. They are completely opposite of what you you say they are. The evidence is not going to bear out what you said. And there's a lot of absolute positions taken in some of these cases, as opposed to which I would respect. Listen, I hear what you're saying, Mr. Amram, when you're representing a trustee, but my client says otherwise. Right. Yeah. So so maybe uh, maybe the topic, <laughs> maybe this topic is actually what to do when you're wrong. Like, because that really, that's the story, right? So well, in, well, in, two, in in most, two ways. One is don't talk in absolutes you, unless you know. Unless you have, like, if you have a document or documents or evidence to back up your statement, fine. Right. Like, the evidence reflects the following. Right. Right. As opposed to saying, you're wrong. He didn't say that. He wasn't there. He right. didn't communicate or right. whatever, whatever it is. Right. Right. 
And so it would be kind of the way I said it. My client will testify yeah. under oath that he did not say that. And we have two people to corroborate right. that testimony. And, and maybe that's false, but because I, I think in some instances, you know, giving the other side the benefit of the doubt, they don't know yet. You know, they haven't reviewed the documents. They don't have the benefit of the sure. investigation that you have. Sure. But at some point they do, right? <laughs> once they've had, once they've educated themselves. Right. And so what are they supposed to do at that point? Oh, geez, Brett's right. Well, but okay. Nobody wants go, to admit that, right? Well, let me go back for one second, which is number one, when you don't have the information yet, why are you talking in absolutes? Right. Right. You can say, what we just I haven't discussed, reviewed the documents. My yet, client right? disputes the allegations. Uh, we look forward to discovery and the evidence and all that stuff, right? And you can take legal positions. Like, even if what you allege is correct, they don't assert claims and my right. client's not on the hook for the following reasons. I, okay, right. I, I get that. But when you say, no, you're wrong. Right. And you either haven't looked at a document or you know that there are documents that <laughs> support the allegations. Right. Like that's disingenuous, right? right? That's yeah. moving in away from zealous advocacy to like border on disingenuousness. Right. Is that a word? Or yeah. dishonesty? Or, dishonesty, I mean, yeah. you know. So I think just to be clear, what we're talking about now is the facts, right? Correct. Because the facts are what, first of all, they drive the case. Correct. And, so, and you can present the facts in the manner that is the most persuasive to your client's position, but you right. can't change the facts. At least you can't do that honestly. Anyway, <laughs> right. I mean, people can lie about what they said or meant or whatever. But if you're wrong on the facts, then it's your job to find the law that supports your position or Correct. defends your client's behavior right. at that time. Yes. But you can't, right. but you should not continue to advocate a position that's just not borne out by the documents or the records. Right. Tell the plaintiff or the defense, whichever side, that legally speaking, they're wrong. Right. Okay. okay. I get it. He said that at that time, but at and that here's time- And here's case law to support that. Right. At that time, right. whatever, the company wasn't insolvent right. or whatever or, it was. Or the facts, as you've alleged, don't paint the picture, paint the story as you've concluded. Right. Here's why. So is it your belief that that's the way a lawyer and litigation should behave when they learn that they're when they're when their client misbehaved <laughs> let's just they should just acknowledge that no i'm not saying you have to acknowledge it but don't make up facts <laughs> right? right i mean right. or or speak in absolutes right right because well, that that doesn't age well yeah it, you know typically yeah there's a thin line between Advocacy and dishonesty, and and you're all and you and you really well, are actually. You're hurting I think your it's own. A thick line. It's a I thick really line, think. Right? I, I really <laughs> right. Well, you know, I don't. I don't think you need to get into dishonesty. Well, but I know this, what your point in this was, instance where you're sure. saying because the facts are not always so clear. No, and, no but no. you're talking about in a clear case where you're you're saying you're taking a position that your client didn't do something or didn't say something, right. and yet Brett Amron, you on the other side have a document that shows actually they did do that or did say that. Right. And they put it in writing even to five other people, you know, and we have the trail or whatever. But the point I was going to make is I think at some point, a lot of lawyers lose sight of the fact that this hurts their own credibility, you know? Yeah. And then, so there might be other circumstances where things are gray, right. where the facts aren't so clear. It's not always so clear. I mean, these are the easy ones we're talking about, right? It's right. The, 
right. the gray ones where you want to say, well, they said this, but that's subject to multiple interpretations. And Well, that's okay. And well, I understand that, right? Unless, of course, there's a document that <laughs> backs up the, the, the intent. But, but I get what you, you know, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, and I'm not going to speak in absolutes. Like, of course, if there is a document and there is a statement in a document, the person who made that statement could come in and say, I, I see what you pulled from that, but here's what I meant. In, here's what in, I meant. Right? And here's what, in <laughs> fact, I did. Right. And here's four other emails that I sent right, right before or right after. Right. Or, hey, I said that in an email. Right. But you'll see the next day that I sent a follow-up saying, hey, I thought more about it right. and X right. or whatever. But, you know, when that doesn't happen, like that, that email is the email and the statement is the statement. Right. right? And someone comes in and just, again, is, takes a position that is completely contrary to yeah. facts. Right. Without additional supporting fact. Like there it's their twist yeah. and interpretation yeah. of what you've alleged as opposed to, well, we have a document to back that up. Right. And it's a document that your client created. I think, yeah. And I, and again, I'm not I don't mean to defend the other side, but I think well, yeah. I think lawyers have a hard time accepting when they're wrong. Especially if they once they've taken the position, which I'm yeah. again, I'm I'm operating under an assumption in this for purposes of this discussion that at the time they first advocate a position, that's what they believe. They honestly believe it. And then lawyers struggle, too many lawyers struggle with okay, when they are proven wrong mm-hmm. by documents, evidence, or otherwise, mm-hmm. accepting that fact. Yeah. And I think if they did accept that fact and say, okay. You know, and maybe you don't have to accept it on day one because you, you know, I've, I've uh, dozens of times seen documents that hurt my client and say, okay, well, there's must be something else. Dig more. Sure. Ask them, was there a follow up? Was there a clarification? Were they told this by counsel? You know, there, you know, there's so many, so many avenues for, you know, challenging a fact, you know, that sure. in, in the past. 100%. But at some point, you are, I think, one, harming your own credibility, probably doing harm to the client because you're, you're spending more time advancing a theory that you know is wrong. And you're doing that to someone on the other side right. who knows that you're wrong. Sometimes in a lot, of, in a lot of litigation, you know you're wrong, but you also know that the other side doesn't, doesn't know it yet because right. exactly. they don't have, exactly. you know they don't have the documents. Right. And so you're doing everything you can to, Right. Either avoid having to produce it or try to settle it before or whatever it is. Before the other side gets their hands on this, right. we need to deal with it. Right. But but there's deflection, right? You can you can try and deflect, you could try and explain, you can, you know, in that instance you're talking about where you get into litigation in the non-insolvency context right. where the plaintiff hasn't representing a you know a trustee hasn't had access to all the right. documents yet, right? So where you come across a document. You know, and for representing your client is like smoke. If again, in the instance where there's a smoking gun, which is not always the case, right? Most of the time, it's really? not. You know, you have a you have a heart to heart with your client, and then you try to figure out the best avenue to advance your client's interest to get to the ultimate outcome, right? That's in your client's best interest. But you don't say in a document, either in a letter or the do- worst document filed with the court. You know, deny, deny, deny. Right. If you know otherwise. Right. Or, right. 
that's that's just right. Take a visit, take say these are the facts, and you know that there's a document that shows otherwise, right? Yeah. Like that's the problem. That's why I don't know that is, I don't think it is a, I don't see it anyway as a thin line, you know? Yeah. Because, but I get, I, I see, it's a difficult. I understand the struggle. Yeah. Because once you've taken the position, it is very difficult to, retract from that or to concede it. And so right. this is, I think, one of the benefits of mediation because to a mediator, right. you can you could concede an issue that you haven't, you know, conceded in either in court or in litigation and you're not, right. you know, you're not bound by that, you know, that that acknowledgement. Well, and I do think that there are lawyers that do take that to the nth degree, right? Right. That would say, well, it's just mediation. So I can take whatever position it doesn't matter. Oh, you're saying that they do the opposite. They do I'm the saying opposite. you oh, might no, recognize, I, right. yeah, I know my guy did the wrong, but they'll never be able to prove that because right. you know X, Y, and Z. Right, but there are lawyers that will go the other way and say no, no, right, just advance the opposite, right, position. advance the opposite. Yeah. And, so, and I know. think you know we have Rule 11 for non-litigators. That's a federal rule that deals with honest and, and, and candor and right. misrepresentations and disclosure. Or 57105 in, in uh, state court in Florida. Right. Those rules don't always capture the fact pattern that we're talking about. You're saying not necessarily that someone filed a, a pleading in court that contains false testimony, but rather that they're advancing positions that are it's, generally it, premised on... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a phone call with opposing counsel. It's an email with opposing counsel. It's a letter to opposing counsel. It's in mediation, right. as you talked about. No, none of this is subject to Rule 11 or uh, any other applicable statute, right? right. As yeah. sanctionable conduct, right? Yeah. Or even conduct unbecoming of a lawyer, unprofessional, whatever. None. Of, it's not really subject to right. that. How do you think we get through that? Because how do, how do you say to a lawyer, mm-hmm. look, man, I know, or one man, I know <laughs> that this is what happened. And I know that you know that that is what happened. And yet, you won't accept that. We're having a conversation where we both know. And so, in order for us to advance this case right. and maybe resolve it, we need to understand, you know, we, we need to agree on, like, fact. I mean, I kind of liken this to what's happening, you know, in the political right. climate. If we can't agree on what the facts are, right. how can we ever come to a resolution? Yeah. And I guess that's why we're in this you know, business that's why to begin with, right? right? In litigation, because Correct. people, two parties could not agree on what the facts are. Yeah. Or were. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's the, that's the struggle is to get the other, and, and from the other, from, from the perspective of the lawyer who is receiving this position, right? right you, like you just said, you've got to figure out how to right. push through that. Right. So to me, it's it's your job. This comes up in mediation a lot too, but it's my job to help the other lawyer mm-hmm. convince their client that I'm right. And well, that other lawyer doesn't want to do that. And that's why what we do is so difficult because I have to convince the, the, other, the right. other side right. that they should be advocating our position. They should be communicating to their client why they have a severe risk of loss because right. I've already proven it. And that's why we love mediation because here's a chance where... The mediator gets to go or and do that. Or even we better, do, we make an opening statement and right. we talk directly to the other side's right. client because right. a lot of lawyers struggle with this. And we talked about this a little bit on the communication uh, episode. Don't communicate with their clients honestly. Don't say, hey, you know what? They have a document that shows that th- you said this. Right. 
or did this and we're going to lose, you know, that's right. well, a real risk to us. Right. Well, I'm hoping that they in fact do have that. That they have had that conversation. Right. Not the, oh, wait, client X, you're telling me that no problem. We'll take care of it. Right. Not they're not just accepting their client's position at face. Right? Yeah. And and I so think, I think a lot of lawyers do. A I mean, lot their clients do, but, and they have difficult clients, or maybe it's a really important client yeah. and they're afraid to, you know, to disagree with them. And right. the client's like, no, that's not what happened. That's BS. I don't care what the email says. That's their job. You got to manage your client. Yeah, but that's why I like to back it up with documents. Yeah. Right. Like evidence, you know, yeah, you get to testimony and deposition and all that stuff, but Documents, you know, don't. Yeah, they speak for themselves, lie. right? And they also are a record at the time of contemporaneous, you know, contemporaneous That's record right. of an event. That's right that occurred. Right, not trying to remake right. history. Right. When you were talking to, when you're the whatever the CEO talking to the CFO, mm-hmm. you know, emailing with the CFO in 2014 or whatever it is. Right about something you weren't doing that in preparation for litigation, right. you know, presumably. It's, right. And, and right. And so it's raw. It's at the yeah, time yeah. and it's you're involved in this stuff and you're thinking, no one's gonna see this. I don't think right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they're not consciously thinking no. that, but they're you know, the assumption automatic and nobody ever thinks about, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. If things go wrong at some point, there's going to be a, you know, these are emails that we're sending back and forth about the fraud we're perpetrating or whatever it is. Right. You know. Right. That's okay. Keep, keep sending emails. Um, yeah. And yeah. Keep, you know, texts. We don't, know, we don't want to post on social yeah. media. Right. Exactly. We don't <laughs> tell everybody our secrets. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the struggle is on, on both sides. It's a struggle. But I think that if you come at it with, okay, let's take the facts for what they are. Right. And, and if I don't know all the facts yet, then I'm going to say that. Right. I think you say, Brett, I hear you. I know what those documents say. I'm not sure that that's the whole picture. I haven't had an opportunity to question the, the other, the person who sent that email to or my look client. Through all of the documents. Or yet, all the or documents. Right. But even assuming you're right, Brett, mm-hmm. here's why you're wrong. Because the the case law says, right. well, you know, business judgment rule or whatever it is. Sure. So, uh, you know, I have it. My client has a defense. Right. And okay. at okay. least then you're having an honest right. conversation. Right. Right. And I think, and I do think, you know, we take an oath as lawyers to, you know, to be zealous advocates, but to, to do so in an honest fashion. Right. We do. And I also, you know, the, the world is smaller, especially with lawyers. You're going to cross paths right. again. Yeah. Right. And you will always remember a dishonest lawyer. Yeah. Always. Disingenuous lawyer will, I mean, always. That's the first thing, right? We see when a lawyer comes into a case, like, oh, yeah. yeah. I remember can't that trust last the word they say. Yeah. Don't you can't trust rely them. on them. Right. Him and, or her. And but again, yeah. I, I just, I think that lawyers, I think that sometimes, often, they are just myopic and focused on, you know, not giving an inch for fear of, you know, of losing a mile. Right. When, you know, you you probably get farther in the long run by accepting, acknowledging reality mm-hmm. and having a, you know, intelligent dialogue yeah. with the other side. Yeah. I, I, was always, I was told by a lawyer that I was a supervisor of mine when I first started as a prosecutor. And he said, I'll never forget this. He said, if I have to... 
play tricks, if I have to lie, cheat, steal as a lawyer, then I'm not very good. Yeah. And so I, I, that's, has stuck with me and remains to this day. Yeah. Take the facts for what they are, you know, and if you have a claim and you can fit it into the law, make the argument. Right. Or a defense, either way. Or have an explanation for the facts, right, as they come out, you know, based on others and and interpretations and stuff. And if you don't have either of those, then you call someone like us. We're going to lose. So we need to start exploring options. And maybe ability to pay is, you know, because that's, you know, we look at litigation on the merits and then we look at, you know, collectability. So I'm going to lose, but my guy or woman or client with the business has no ability to pay. So right. even if you win your $12 million judgment, right. they're well, not going to be able to pay it. Well, so right. we have, that's a different conversation. Well, right. there's three phases, right? Uh, to assessment of litigation. It's liability, damages, collection. Right. So, right. you know, if you can't, but, if you can't win on right. one, try, try right. and figure out the others or, or you right. know. But the first two are driven by, at least in part, the facts and the law. Well, right. Yeah. And the third part is, you know, financial. Correct. So. Correct. Well, let's hope that some zealous litigator out there listens to this podcast yeah. and decides to mm-hmm. be honest and accept sometimes sometimes you're wrong. You know, but that's the thing with lawyers is that we didn't create the facts. We just yeah. deal with them. I, you deal with the, you take the facts as they exist. You can't change them. You can right. rearrange the way you present them, but you can't change them. Facts are facts. Yeah. Right. There is a thick line between <laughs> advocacy yeah. and dishonesty. Yeah. And and documents don't lie. Documents don't lie. There's a lot of lessons here, Nelson. Uh, if you like this episode, please give us a five-star review. Share the podcast with your friends and family wherever you listen to your podcast. And please subscribe, follow us, and we'll see you soon. Thanks, Nelson. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Brett. For more information on this show and other resources, visit FastAmron.com and connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at FastAmron.com.